0: Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peak, and welcome to episode 357 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her meditation. Oh yeah, we're going to go deep. And this is gonna be a terrific show with one of my most favorite people on this entire planet. Before we begin, just know that this is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to SmartyPantsVitamins.com. Now here's your first reminder to click on the iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because I love hearing from you. End of story. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about Her. Ah, So I start every single day by dialing up a special Zoom audio That gets me connected with our guest, and that is Bob Roth, who is the chief executive officer of the David Lynch Foundation, one of the most experienced and sought after meditation leaders in America, and over the past 45 years has taught transcendental meditation to thousands of people. Ah, and he's the author of the 2018 New York Times bestseller, Strength in Stillness, The Power of Transcendental Meditation. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh, What I can tell you is that every single day, Monday through Friday uh, at 7 a.m. and Saturdays and Sundays at 8.30 a.m., I have this down to a fine science. I dial into the Zoom audio, and I hear Bob's soothing, gentle voice as he basically guides us into our 20 minutes of transcendental meditation, and that is prefaced with some beautiful quotes and some really fun science, and then ending with proverbs, poems, and quotes, and you want to know something? That's how I start my day, and that's why I'm feeling so damn good right now. Bob! Bob! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Herb Podcast. Pan, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Pam Peek.
1: My fave, my fave. What
0: I can tell you right now is I think, you know, we you were on my show before, definitely, because when the book came out and all the rest of it. So here's yeah. the deal. Everyone out there knows that I'm an athlete and I'm like out there as a speaker and as, you know, someone who is presenting science and all of this stuff. And the chance of getting me to relax and sit in one place uh, was basically zip until I uh, encountered your wonderful people uh, who taught me transcendental meditation. And this is something that you're taught. And uh, my teachers were phenomenal. And um, more than anything else, what is key is that this is one of the first times in my life i was actually able to um, find a way to uh, really grab peace and depth and richness Um, that's what i wanted more than anything else Um, and so what i would like you to do bob is to explain to everyone what transcendental meditation is and why meditation is so important
1: i'm happy to but before can i ask you a question sure I, I would like to know you said you were looking for i like that peace and depth and richness what do you mean by depth and richness you know in your, in uh, your life in your life you weren't just looking to relax you were looking for something no. more so what what was no. that depth and richness you were missing that you were looking for
0: I was missing a connection with my deeper self. And, uh, you know, I think that my mind is sort of like monkey mind and running all over the place. And I'm thinking of this and thinking of that. And I don't really have an opportunity to just be, to, to have that restful alertness where I can just sort of literally just go deeper and, uh, allow myself to think things, um, and be free to be able to experience that thinking, um, experience. It's just amazing. Um, and I, I think that depth going deeply is what I was really missing.
1: And how is that manifested in your daily, and I'm gonna answer your question, but I figured I'd slip this in quick before, I start, before Bob starts talking. How has that expressed itself in your relationships, in your work, in your life, that depth and richness How has it changed? Has it meant a difference in how you live your life?
0: I'm much calmer. I'm much more thoughtful. I'm much more mindful. I'm just much more present um, and, uh, I, I really see almost everything I do as a meditation now. Beautiful. And yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it has absolutely given me an anchor and otherwise. You, you just go through the day just banging in, you know, bouncing from one thing to another. It's difficult to bring it all together. I find that I think about this a lot. I think about what was going on in my mind during meditation, and then it comes back to me. Um, and uh, it comes back to me in a really rich, joyful, and peaceful way. Um, it could be a thought, and now I'm gonna run with that thought, Um, It could be an idea, and now suddenly I feel more creative, um, and I I kind of go to that place. I feel more of a fearlessness, like, okay, let's just do it. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. And you haven't lost any effectiveness or success in action, right? You haven't, you haven't, as if you're, uh, this is the thing I'm I'm always interested in is that there's a inside, there's a a more of a contentment or whatever, but you still haven't lost your edge. You haven't lost your focus. You haven't lost your ability to push through things, but it's not at the expense of stress and, you know, it's not at the expense of losing your inner self.
0: I feel like I'm more productive, more precise Um, and when I say productive, I don't mean like I'm a little busy person running around like a nutcase. I, I, I'm much more strategic and more effective with whatever time I have. I'm more thoughtful, um, and less bouncing around. Um, I just really love that because I have so much going on in my life at any one point in time and I want to be, you know, more, more present. Does so, that make sense?
1: Yes, and so what I want to do now is explain how meditation, or tra- specifically transcendental meditation, can um, that that these words that Pam is talking well, obviously Pam is you know I mean she's brilliant, she's a genius, she's accomplished, she's no mood maker, she's no woo woo person, but those aren't woo woo words; they're very real, tangible, practical words that's actually rooted in the way her brain functions, and her cardiovascular system functions, and her respiratory system functions, her digestive system functions, that it's it's physiological as well as emotional, as well as mental. So, I, I, if I'll i answer your question now, if that's okay. Because I just, I, w- I wanted to hear, it. very eloquent, Pam, and really, this why I love, I always love, going on tours and speaking with you because you're a very commanding and eloquent and simple and accessible speaker. So thank you for that. Thank
0: you. well, you're you're most welcome, but uh, again, I, I want to share this thought with everyone because you're right. i'm I'm not a woo-woo. Um, I'm a science-based um person who is a human being also, and um really is always striving. Uh, to be my best and my most authentic person, um, and to be of service to others and as compassionate and self-compassionate as possible. And I I seek ways to do that. And I have personally found uh, that uh, Transcendental Meditation, or TM, um, is an extraordinarily effective way of doing that because I've tried so many other ways. And uh, this, this really works for me.
1: So, how, so when, when you know, people say, well, what is transcendental meditation and how does it differ from other forms of meditation? And I, I like to use an analogy of an ocean where you're, you're on a little boat and you're in the middle of the, of the ocean somewhere. And all of a sudden you get these 20, 30 foot high waves, which are very high. And you're in a little boat and you could look up and you think, oh my gosh, the whole ocean is in upheaval. And, and, you know, just you could be afraid and then all of, and then, but then the thought comes, well, wait a minute, the, if you did a cross section of the ocean, you'd realize that yes, the surface of the ocean may be an upheaval, turbulent 20, 30 foot high waves, but the ocean itself in reality is over, a, is miles deep. And while the surface may be turbulent, the depth of the ocean by its nature is pretty darn quiet. So we use that as an analogy for the mind. Surface of the mind is the active thinking mind, the monkey mind. I like to call it the gotta, 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 mind. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. and I gotta call him and I gotta call her and I gotta make a list and I gotta find a list and I gotta make a new list and I gotta slow down, I gotta get going, gotta get to, all the gotas. And so it's a natural human desire to have say, I'd like some inner calm, some inner depth and richness, some inner clarity, some inner connectedness, some inner peace. And the operative word there, Pam, is inner. And the question is, is there such a thing as an inner? And if so, how do we get there? And this is where enter the realm of meditation writ large. Because since ancient times, meditation has been associated with a calm mind. A clear mind, a creative mind, a blissful mind, a focused mind, a powerful mind, a wise mind. And since ancient times, you know, it w- when it, it, there went through periods where meditation was full front and center in, in civilizations, and then there went through, a, a, until recently, a very dry time where you th- use the word meditation and you think sect or crazy or, you know, hippie. But the last few years, maybe the last 20 years, with neuroscience, research on the brain and the physiology, they have a much clearer understanding of of legitimate, evidence-based meditations. And the research shows there's three basic, despite all the stuff that's, you know, all the branding and names and all that stuff, there's three basic types of meditation. So I'll pause here to see if you have any questions or if I can go on.
0: No, I I absolutely love this. I think everyone out there, you have to understand who Bob is. Bob's the one who taught Ellen DeGeneres, um, Stephanopoulos on you know television, and so many others, um, yeah, Oprah, um, how to do uh, TM and to incorporate it into their own work, and also work with. Uh, large groups like Google and the Aspen Ideas Festival, the Aspen Brain Conference. Um, So, you know, Bob has most definitely touched the lives of people at so many different levels, both corporate and celebrity and you and me. Um, And the foundation, and and the
1: foundation, we're bringing it to veterans and inner city school kids. And that's what I'm so proud
0: of. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, and the work done with inner city children and our military veterans is absolutely jaw dropping. So it, you know, it's a thing. There's a there, there. It's a very important thing. So I'll go go for it. Okay.
1: So three, because a lot of people, you know, these days, I I like to say, there's never been a greater need to practice some form of meditation. I mean, look at the people are calling the uh, trauma and pervasiveness of trauma and toxic stress as the pandemic within the pandemic, that underlying and pervading the COVID-19 pandemic is this all pervasive trauma and toxic stress, which is debilitating, killing people, and if not now, over the years to come. And if there's time, I'd love to hear you talk about the effect of stress on, and and this COVID-19 on all of life going forward. But, so where we are then is three basic types. And the first type is called focused attention. And focused attention is the type of, it's your classic type of meditation where it's usually in a, in a negative where people say, I tried to meditate, I can't meditate, I can't clear my mind of thoughts. My mind is a monkey, it's bouncing all over the place, I could never meditate like you were saying at the beginning, Pam, you're just like bouncing off, you know, just busy and Pam peak meditating. That's because focused attention tells us the assumption is if you want to have a calm ocean, what disrupts a calm ocean? Waves. So if you could stop the waves, you could have a calm ocean. If you want to have a calm mind, what disrupts a calm mind? Thoughts. So if you stop thoughts, you'll have a calm mind. So focused attention means what it it describes. You focus your mind, you concentrate your mind, you try to clear your mind of thoughts, or you concentrate on your breath, or you concentrate on a point in your body, or you concentrate. And every time your mind starts to wander, you, you bring it back, focus, concentrate. Very effortful, they say, very difficult to master. But when you do it, it's legitimate when you do it. It creates something called gamma brain waves, which are any you know twenty to fifty cycles per second or more. This that this is your brain working really hard, really fast, really focused. So that's focused attention. Second type of meditation called open monitoring. Open monitoring means watchfulness, observing. This approach says, thoughts themselves are not necessarily the disruptor of calm, but the content of thoughts, Pam, can be the disruptor of calm. So I could have a thought about a guy named Joe, and if I don't know anybody named Joe, eh, but if five years ago, Joe done me wrong, and I start thinking about Joe, and he's coming to town, then, then I get upset, then I'm worried. And open monitoring teaches me to dispassionately observe the thought of Joe and not be in the five years in the past, but be in the present. That happened five years ago. Joe isn't coming for two weeks. I'm here now. That means dispassionately observe the thoughts, be mindfully present, where there is no anxiety in principle. So that's like watching the waves rise and fall and not getting too excited when the wave gets too high and not getting too down when the wave gets too low. It's like the athlete, which you know, Pam, the athlete who has a great game, baseball game the night before, but they've got to come into the ballpark the next day fresh and clean. They can't be where they were yesterday because they won't be themselves. So when we do open monitoring, it creates something called theta brainwaves, which are eight to 10 cycles per second, and that's sort of pre-onset dreaming, that's thinking deeply about something, that's following thoughts. Now these two approaches, focused attention and open monitoring, I know I'm getting a little technical here, but I'm with a scientist, so I have to talk her language. Um, when these are, I'll use one more word here, These are cognitive approaches to meditation. Cognitive means you're bringing calm to the mind by addressing your thoughts, your feelings, your moods, your behaviors, the waves. Now, what is transcendental meditation? Completely different. Transcendental meditation recognizes there is a vertical dimension to the mind. That we're not just the waves on the surface. We already know that, we feel things deeply, we love deeply, we hurt deeply, we have intuition. Somebody comes up to Pam and they're pitching some idea for something and it may make perfectly good sense on the surface, but they leave the room, Pam thinks quietly about the whole thing and her, intu- and her intuition says, I don't think so, Jack. Why? It doesn't feel right that quiet level of her mind, that intuition level, is a thought on a very abstract level, truthful, closer to truth. In Transcendental Meditation, we hypothesize that even deeper than that, every human being has a level where their mind right now and always is already calm and settled and peaceful and powerful and wide awake. And we've lost access to it. And transcendental meditation is, a, is like a dive. You teach a child how to dive. You take the, you say, honey, lean over like this, take the correct angle, and then gravity and in tra- bring is the dive. And in transcendental meditation, we learn how to give the attention of the mind an in inward direction, and we settle down towards that inner calm that's always been there. And when we do that, we have alpha brain waves, eight to 10 cycles per second, inner wakefulness, restful alertness, and our body gains a state of rest deeper than sleep, and our cortisol levels, stress levels drop 30 to 40%. It's a very different experience than the other forms of meditation. I'm not putting down anything else. They have their value, but I just wanna make clear what happens in transcendental meditation. So when when Pam says she's feeling calmer and more resilient and peaceful and settled in herself, again, I go back, it's from that experience of that inner transcendence, that settled state that's there that we've lost access to.
0: I just love that. And just listening to you, I think about myself, you know, um, to your point, people have so many different ways of being able to try to find a little peace in life, as it were. Um, and you know, there's no question that we do things like we go for a run and you know, we have an opportunity to be able to, you know, uh, try to find a moment, um, uh, where we feel joy, maybe a a connection deep inside, but you know, I've got, I'm going to tell you exactly what I do. You're going to just crack up. All right. So. For my 7 a.m. that I do with you, which I just love, it's just so centering first thing in the morning, is, is I have a special, you know, um, robe that I wear that has a hood. And what I do is I go to my great room, uh, the fireplace is on, my beloved German shepherds are at my feet, and I'm in a very comfortable chair because that's so important for TM, and I take the hood and i actually put it over my head so i'm not disturbed by anything i feel like i'm in my tm cocoon and that allows me then to really concentrate on the 20 minutes that i do the meditation that is so terribly important to me and i feel like i just sort of when you say okay it's now it's time you know open your eyes and take a moment to adjust and all the rest of it, the hood comes off and I am ready for the day. And that's what I'm doing right now in the winter time. It's, it's my TM cocoon, but, um, yeah. It, it's a great way to, you know, i sort of make this up, of, uh, up as I go along, but, um, I'm customizing. So this all works for me, but for all of us out there, you know, when we say, oh, I don't have enough time or back and forth, really, you know, that was precisely what I said for years. You know, I'm a busy, busy, busy. And, uh, until I realized, that the only way for me to be able to stay healthy mentally, let alone physically, um, is to be able to have that time um, for inner reflection um, and peace and connection. It's so terribly important. And so, you know, uh, one of the things I did when I first met Bob um, I had a chance to look at some of the scientific literature around TM. And I found that, you know, in one study done by a, a neuroscientist who works um, in the field of uh, transcendental meditation, um, he was able to find that when you go into this amazing state of restful alertness, I love that phrase, it's restful alertness you're not dead asleep you're 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 not bouncing off the rafters you're just in restful alertness you're you're still with the program but you're you're restful you know deeply restful what he was able to find was that the circulation in the frontal cortex of the brain which is where uh we organize plan strategize rein in impulsivity become more patient that type of thing uh the circulation there actually increases who knew um while you're doing transcendental meditation which makes sense to me because all of a sudden i'm just i'm going deeper into those thought processes and and i feel it too why is this so important for all of us um there is no question that we spend a lot of time obsessing over how much we eat, what we eat and all the rest. So that's the nutrition sector. We we obsess more about physical activity. What are we doing? How are we doing it? When are we doing Okay, fine. That's physical activity. But what about our mind? You now our mind is going 24/7 for crying out loud. It needs a break. And it needs a chance to be able to regroup, renew, regenerate, and, and have an opportunity to be able to help us more deeply uh, connect with um, our our inner core. And if we're not doing that, we're, we're not practicing an integrative holistic way of life. Would you agree?
1: Yes, uh, I, I think, I like to tell people there's 1,440 minutes in a day and if we, we don't have 30 or 40 minutes, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes to set aside to take care of the brain which runs the whole show, which determines how well we sleep, how fresh we feel when we get up in the morning, how resilient we are, how we problem solve, we're going to have to reprioritize, I mean, really. And so, someone as busy as yourself, who's able to start the day with 20 minutes of TM at 7 a.m., with all the things you could be doing, it's a matter of prioritizing. And, and I, t- I also say, you know, we 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 make activity sacred. Oh, I have to be somewhere at this time. We start planning hours in advance, so we're going to get that place on time, or we have a meeting on time. And yet we short shift ourselves. You know. <laughs> And so it's really a question of, of, and I have a question for you. I mean, it's really a question of prioritizing and making, just as we make activity, sacred in a sense. We also have to make rest sacred. We have to give ourselves time for that run-up to get into bed at night so we sleep well at night. We have to turn off the blue light on the computers, so that the melatonin can be produced. And we need to set aside time for meditation. But don't you think, Dr. Peek, that it's really getting to the point that it's, it's not even a, a matter of um, it's like the choice is, is being, we don't really have a choice. We either have to do it or we're in serious trouble. Is that not the case?
0: Oh, there's no question. I think that we went through an era where we obsessed about, you know, things like, again, nutrition and physical activity only, as though that was our totality. I think that now we're moving into a new age. And that new age is uh, we are truly holistic mind and body, and that we have to honor uh, what's going on with our consciousness um, and our mental health. And so this is why TM, for instance, as you noted, um, is being applied to people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, Um, children who are traumatized and stressed because uh, they come from the inner city, Why is that working so well? Well, to your entire point about cortisol, and I am a stress physiologist, um, there's nothing in the world that helps to re-regulate and modulate um, our entire fight and flight response, which is where cortisol comes from, than um, creating this inner sense of peace. And I'm gonna tell you out there, until you've tried it, you just don't understand It is absolutely profound. If I don't have this to start my day with, um, I feel completely off. Um, and, and if, if there's a super urgent that knocked me off my game, um, I'll come back to it, um, whenever I can that day. But I'm telling you that you have to make that deep connection with, with your inner self, you just have to, there's no question about it. Um, and this is where all the great science is going. Why do you think you have all these apps now, you know, calm and headspace and all of these others, because people are now turning inward. They're realizing that they have not, they've been passing over their own mental health. And, and this is so integral to this. And that's why I really am pressing all of my wonderful listeners with the Her Podcast. To, to go to this place of meditation. Meditation is just so terribly important, self-reflection. And there are a lot of other little things you do to be able to help yourself. Journaling is wonderful, too. Um, and, and taking a, a walk and a talk, sort of reflecting as you you know walk. But when you sit down quietly for those 20 minutes, it's a different kind of experience. And it takes you much, much deeper. Yes,
1: and the thing is, it doesn't, they're not, it's not a question of either or, you know, do I, I teach Olympic athletes, you know, some people say, well, my meditation is running, or my meditation is jogging, or my, well, I can't tell you the number of Olympic and professional athletes who are in the best possible physical shape, who want to learn to meditate, because it still doesn't address you know the prefrontal cortex, as you were talking about, it doesn't calm the amygdala, which is the emotional or fear center of the brain. It, do, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, activate the the parasympathetic nervous system that rest and digest. So it's not a question of one fulfilling the other. Yes, we meditate, but as you know, Dr. Peak, we also need to exercise. We also need to eat healthy, and it turns out these things, which you have been at the forefront of for years and decades, you're, you're at the front of the, of you know, forefront of the whole thing. Now they're becoming not just a luxury or well, maybe I'll fit it in. They're becoming key ingredients to actual survival.
0: I love it. I, I just love it. So I, I cannot, you know, tell you out there in the herb podcast land enough that you've got to check this out. Now, what's the easiest way for them to be able to learn more?
1: Just go to tm.org, and they right there, they have the basics of what the whole thing is. I mean, what you wanna do is you wanna research, you wanna find out for yourself. And so you go to tm.org, then there'll be a, a menu that you can pull down that will tell you where the TM center nearest you is. And you contact the center, they'll send you a 18-minute video that will explain what the whole thing is about. And then if you're interested in learning, then you can talk to them about learning. It's a nonprofit organization, and they've been teaching for 60 years, and people have all, it's not a religion, it's not a philosophy, it's not a change in lifestyle, there's no shtick, you just learn. It takes about an hour a day over four consecutive days to learn, and you, you learn it and you take it home with you and you practice it on your own. And yes, you can call in and like Pam does for some of these meditations, or you just do it on your own you know, in the quiet, you can do it on the train going to work, if anybody's go- on a train going to work, or whatever. But it's a simple thing. There's nothing to believe in. I, as I'm sure Dr. Peek is, I'm very skeptical by nature. And I, you know, I love big ideas, but I love evidence. I love down to earth. And you can be 100% skeptical going into Learn TM. You can think the whole thing is nonsense. Just like you can be skeptical about gravity and you drop your cell phone, the cell phone falls. You can be skeptical about TM and you'll be able to do it as well as a person who walks in who says, yeah, this is cool. So there's no downside to it. And the wonderful thing is it's also not You know, it's like, oh God, now I gotta go meditate. That's such an awful thing. You look forward to it, don't you, Pam?
0: Oh, listen, I I said that um, I I was laughing the other day because I was exhausted. um, The day before I was preparing for a board meeting and I was working until late and um, I got up just a scotch later than I had anticipated and I only had 10 minutes before that seven o'clock, you know, uh tm began i mean i just flew into the great room you know got that fireplace going (laughs) you know organized the dogs you know got that hood over my head and um got myself perfectly situated in my most favorite comfortable chair all ready to go um what i mean by all of this is that it's centering and it gives you a chance to be able to have a golden opportunity to talk to yourself be in touch with yourself allow any thoughts to come and go um, and also to um, enhance your own creativity Um, tell us a little bit about david lynch's um, experience with this as most of you know, David Lynch is a, an award-winning um, director and uh, in Hollywood and um, has been practicing for how long?
1: Uh, almost 50 years.
0: My goodness gracious and so this has also helped him with his creative projects, right
1: Well you know the inter- yes and the interesting thing is that um, I, I've just been because of David I've been doing some research on, new scientific understandings of creativity in the brain. And they used to think that, that, well, we know that there's two hemispheres to the brain, the left and right hemisphere, and they used to think that the right hemisphere was this sort of the spatial, the artist, the intuitive, the abstract thinker. So if you're a right hemisphere person, you're an artist, and if you're a left hemisphere person, you're a scientist, you're a number cruncher, you're, you're you know, an analyst. And it turns out that's not the case. And their new understanding, Pam, and I'd love for your comment on this, is that creativity, and this ties back to David, creativity is actually a product of networks within the brain. And the two key networks within the brain or one is the attention control center network in the front of the brain, near the prefrontal cortex, and this is the part of the, in the creative process to focus, to concentrate, to, you know, okay, okay, you got a great idea to write a book, now you gotta sit down, you gotta write the book. So, and that's where your brain is really focused. And then the scientist discovered that there's another part of the brain, which is the sort of, they call it the default mode network and this is the part of the brain. It's the front network connections between the front, the middle, and the back of the brain. And this is where the brain is not focused in a particular direction. It's just sort of, it's it's active, but it's not directed anywhere. And for a long time, they, they were very disparaging, Pam, about the default mode network. Oh, that's just your wandering brain. That's your, you know, you're wasting time. But now they have two new two new names for the uh default mode network. One is the imagination network and the other is the genius lounge. Is that great? The genius oh lounge. Oh
0: my God. And say that again, the genius G- G- lounge. lounge.
1: And this is, I the part, love I know, that. this is the part of the brain that gets activated. You know, when you're, tr- you're in front of your computer, you're trying to solve a problem, you can't do it. And your partner says, or you just, I got to get out of here. You go for a walk. Or, or something, you go out, you go play tennis, or you just get away. And then you're out going for a walk and all of a sudden you go, oh my God, I got it. Or you're taking a hot shower and you're not thinking about anything and oh God, that's it. So that's the part of the brain when you're not straining, when you're not focused, that it's this sort of nonlinear, intuitive, creative ideas can bubble up. The genius lounge, which means resting. So what transcendental meditation does is it activates both that, that ability to focus and rest. And so what David Lynch has been doing for 50 years in his own Lynchian way is these creative ideas bubble up from inside and come out. But you know what, Pam? You're creative in your way and your listeners. are. Every time a mom or a dad solves a problem between two squabbling kids, That's the genius lounge. That's the creative process. It's solving, it's making something out of nothing. So what transcendental meditation does is it activates those two areas of the brain so that as you go through life, you're a better problem solver, you're a more creative problem solver. It doesn't have to be David Lynch type. It can just be making it through the day. So David is a genius in his own way, but each one of us can be a genius in our own way.
0: I love it. So to, to answer your question, um, what I really want you, everyone out there to understand is that we used to have a more simplistic way of looking at the brain. You know, this part does this and this does that. And yeah, there's no question. There are some clusters of cells and whatever, but what we now know, and you can Google this for some of the most spectacular pictures you've ever seen and it's called the connectome the connectome in the brain um, was first conceptualized by mit scientists and it's a 3d capture of the ridiculously intricate connections throughout the brain so what happens is whenever you have any kind of thought process or whatever what's happening is you're actually drawing upon a variety of different parts of the brain at the same time. They're all interconnected. One you know, uh, stimulates another, the neurons there stimulate another, and then they come back again, and then they interact again, and it just keeps going. So you have this extraordinary network all working together. There might be certain neurons um, that are uh, more predominant in a particular interaction, especially if it involves speech, say for instance. But creativity absolutely has to be an integrative, uh, connected, process it has to be there's just no one little part of the brain that's going to be creative the whole brain draws upon its own resources in the connectome um every everyone out there probably has heard you know in a lot of the health magazines whatever the microbiome say for instance we look at what goes on in the gut and then we say the biome which is the entire um you know uh it's it's the whole being, it's the human biome. And so the connectome is the brain part of this. And to your point, I love the updated science here, and I am gonna run with this genius lounge. This is absolutely (laughs) fabulous. (laughs) I just cannot begin to tell you. Oh my gosh.
1: No, it's, it's, it's such a great name. And and uh, it, and you know the interesting thing is here's the interesting thing I know we're running out of time but the interesting thing is it, it, there's a third network called the salience network and the salience network sort of it it turns on it switches on and off the the, the attention control center network and the and the default mode network so now I have a good idea so now say, now I'm thinking I have a good idea and then that gets turned off and now I focus on you know, putting pen to paper, or fingers to computer, and now I make it work. And so you have the idea, but they can't work simultaneously. I either have the, I'm either creative or I'm focused. And of course we know what stress does. Stress shuts, we, we can't focus, we're fragmented. And it also gives us writer's block, we have no good ideas. So what they wanted to, what they did is they did a study with like 2,000 of people they they deemed to be the most creative people in the world and it was conductors and mathematicians and, you know, whatever, all these top, top people. And what they found was that their brain, that the two networks were able to function simultaneously. They didn't get shut down, which means you're able to focus and create as you focus so you can improve on what you're doing. It's not like, okay, I have an idea, now leave me alone and I'm just gonna grind this out for the next six months. You're able to innovate as you go. And uh, this is what happens with TM, that we have both of these networks being activated and because of, as you know, because of um, neuroplasticity, those connections that, fire together in meditation, wire together out of meditation, that accounts for this creative process. So yeah, it's very exciting stuff.
0: I love it, I love it. Everyone out there, we've been talking to Bob Roth. He's the uh, chief executive officer of the David Lynch Foundation. And uh, Bob is probably one of the premier um, global experts on transcendental meditation and all things meditation, really the science, etc. His New York Times bestseller is Strength and Stillness. The Power of Transcendental Meditation. He also is the host of the Sirius XM radio show, Success Without Stress. And I just love that. Everyone run on over to the David Lynch Foundation.org to learn more about Bob's marvelous work and tm.org, that's for Transcendental Meditation, tm.org to learn about how you can really scope out the opportunity here with transcendental meditation um and and really do a little homework here and figure out if this really works for you bob i can't thank you enough for being on the her podcast once again
1: it is my honor and i know your listeners know this but we are listening to a woman who has been a pioneer and at the forefront of this whole science-based understanding of diet, exercise, meditation, when it wasn't fancy and and you know, glitzy and trendy, she was out there talking about this in the dark, casting a light, and it is honor, an honor for me to do anything to support your work, Pam
0: anything oh Bob thank you so much I mean if this sounds like a love fest it is, um, it is. okay we were cool before you know we knew we were cool <laughs> we it was better, basically get what, we better get up I know man yeah. what can I say <laughs> everyone out there just run to iTunes right now rate and review the show because I want to hear from you why because I am dr Pam peak host of the her podcast follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peake MD and Facebook at dr. Pam peak and catch every single episode of the herb podcast on itunes radio md or any of the major platforms we're are we are there we are number one thanks for listening today and please stay safe and stay well